Hey everybody, welcome to Save Your Sorry. The podcast where we tell you about the rise and fall of a celebrity. And do some trash talking along the way. I have the best advice for women in business. Get your ass up and work. Jose. My name is Katrina Rochelle, and I don't have a quip. <laughs> Who are we talking about today, Jose? Today we're talking about Ed and Lorraine Warren. The do you know much? folks. Yes. Do you know much so- about them? No, I literally only know that they're like a part of that thing and they they hunt spirits or stuff or artifacts. I don't know, but that's all I know is Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson. Did you watch the Conjury movies? Um, kinda sorta. I've seen a couple of reactions to one of them. And I think when I was in college after my best friend uh, made me enroll in a college for my education and then abandoned me after a year. And then I stayed an extra semester. There was a movie night where the second one played and I watched that. Uh, Yeah, by myself because, you know, my my best friend had abandoned me that semester. So, yeah. Interesting. Good to know. Of course, the movies are like a, what is it called? Dr- or, what is, what's the word? <laughs> dramatized? A dramatized version of events. Oh, say, I don't know what the fuck you mean. <laughs> <laughs> and, but Ed and Lorraine, they're probably more famously known now for the Conjuring slash Annabelle franchise. Oh yeah, Annabelle, that bitch too. Yeah, that's the spinoff. And that goes over some of their popular cases. And I think the movies help bring new interest in them and maybe to a newer audience. But odds are, though, if you have an inkling of interest in the paranormal, you have heard of them before. Yeah. They're kind of, they're kind of like the OG ghost hunters and a big deal in the paranormal world. I'm sorry, I just picture like a paranormal bar, a ghost bar, and then Lorraine come in and the world, the crowd just splits in half. <laughs> oh my God, it's the OGs. The OGs. <laughs> Superstars, clear path. I think what's most impressive about them though is that they have really done well at branding themselves or selling themselves. Pretty much everything we know about Ed and Lorraine is from them. They made a museum of their cases. They wrote these books, gave interviews, gave lectures over mm-hmm. these paranormal investigations. And I mean, it, they've been doing work. They passed now, but they had done it for, you know, a good what? 40, 50 years. And they've, are, they've maintained popularity throughout. I think they're one of the most, if not the most known paranormal investigators. They did. I didn't know that. I could have <laughs> I, I, I guessed that, but I don't know why I didn't know that. I mean, even if you don't know, if I asked you to name a paranormal investigator, I feel like that's maybe one of the only ones you could name. Um, Miss Cleo. <laughs> <laughs> She's a psychic. A voodoo priestess. I don't know. Yeah, they would have to be the one I would name. So let's get into it. Ed was born September 7th, 1926. Virgo. Look at you. And from age 5 to age 12, he claims he lived in a haunted house. Pretty much your standard hauntings, seeing shadows, objects moving, hearing footsteps, and one time his closet door opened and he saw an old woman. Ed tried talking to his father about it, and his father was just like, ignore it. Keep it to yourself. Or (laughs) saying there was like a logical explanation. You don't hear me talking about the old woman in my closet. <laughs> Direct quote. That's pretty much what he was telling him. Like, I, I see this too. We're not going to talk about it. Mm-mm-mm. Ain't that something? Yeah, don't so ask, I don't believe- tell in your own house. <laughs> 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 like, damn. Ed's father saw things as well, but he was, I mean, what's he going to do about it? He's just, he's just a normal man. He's not a ghostbuster. Yeah, when you, I mean, I'll be really be thinking about this because, I mean, uh, living in houses 
or apartments, wherever the fuck, costs money. If your shit is haunted, what the fuck you gonna do? I can't move. We are going to have to ignore this boy. And don't be bringing it up to me because I just stopped having nightmares. (laughs) Yeah, so Lorraine was born in Connecticut like Ed. And she was born less than a year after Ed, January 31st, 1927. Ooh, Aquarius. Sure. Well, Well, Lorraine didn't really have any hauntings growing up. She did see lights around people, and she thought everyone could see these lights, and she would soon realize she was seeing people's auras. Mm-hmm. You're seeing a light. <laughs> Lorraine was also able to have visions of the future, and when she told a teacher at school about her vision, it was not met with praise. <laughs> that bitch is a witch <laughs> pretty much burner goddamn. especially since you know it was a catholic school back in the day oh yeah mm, you know catholics don't they don't believe nobody <laughs> except so they, for the priests <laughs> yeah you know that kind of thing to them is like witchcraft like you said or a demon or something so they pretty much told Lorraine keep that to yourself because we don't do that here And that's how they met and bonded. Did your parents tell you to shut the fuck up? Yes. Did your teacher just say shut the fuck up? Yes. Growing up each Wednesday, Lorraine would go to the movies with her mother. And while she was 16, she met Ed, who worked there as an usher. Ooh, these are his confessions. Ed asked if next time he could walk Lorraine home. And I believe this time she was with her friends. And on the way home, Ed offers to buy the girl some Cokes. And Lorraine didn't drink Coke. She never has, never will. So she gets a milkshake. <laughs> Is there a story behind that? <laughs> no, I, I just watched an interview. That's what she said. She literally said, I don't drink Coke, never have, never will. Fuck Coke, Pepsi she said, family all the way. She said, I don't like the taste of Coke. I don't drink Coke, so I don't milkshake. I am too rich to ever drink Coke. <laughs> Coke is whack. whack. (laughs) Lorraine claimed she had a vision of Ed as an old man, and she knew she was going to marry him. So they soon start dating and going steady. Only one problem. At 17, Ed joins the Navy, and this is during World War II. Oh, damn. While the Navy, Ed already knew his plan. Once he got out, he wanted to find other people who have experienced hauntings like he did. And Lorraine confided her powers of, or clairvoyancy, or whatever you want to call it, to him. Mm -hmm. So that was his plan, but he just had to serve his time in the Navy first. After four months in the Navy, the ship he was on crashed into an oil tanker. The ship sank, and I saw some sources say caught on fire. He had to wait in the freezing water until he and the other Navy men could be rescued. And the Navy had a protocol of 30 days survival leave after a ship sinks, so he used that time to go home to Lorraine and get married in 1945. All right, come on, Silver Lining. <laughs> this story of they met at a movie theater, he was on a Navy ship, he got survival leave and got to leave, and they got married has been told time and time again. It's part of their story, it's part of their branding that they use so well. Oh, like they tell us they would tell the story all the time, like they would switch off and finish each other's sentences. <laughs> and then you uh, went into the neighbor, but then you came back as after our ship crashed, he got 30 days leave, and then we got married. Like I was watching things. more recent interviews where sadly Ed had passed, so it was just Lorraine doing the talking. Mm. But yeah, I, I imagine that's how it used to be. That would make me fucking sad. <laughs> 1951, they would have a baby named Judy. And now Judy's husband has kind of been the one to carry the torch for the Warrens, keeping their legacy alive. What about Judy? She's there, she don't fuck with that shit? She's, she's there with with him, but she's just not as vocal about it. Like, he's, he's the one with all the possessions. He's, like, the spokesperson. But Judy's there. But he ain't even blood. <laughs> <laughs> you, gonna, you gonna trust... Your family's legacy? 
with the mud blood? <laughs> I don't know. That's so funny. I don't know either. But it's I I don't know. I feel a little weird about that. Just just lightly serious. Like I don't know. You, I would have to have a closer eye. But maybe I mean they're married. She really must love and trust him. He's not terrible. So go yeah, ahead. And- he is very involved, or he was very involved with the Warrens while they were alive. Like, he interviewed them. He was running their website. Like, he was doing mm-hmm. everything behind the scenes for them. He was, like, really hands-on. Yeah, and I guess if you marry somebody, you want them to buy into your whole family legacy. So, that is what you want. Back to the story, though. Ed studied art once he got out of the Navy, but his true calling was ghost hunting. Ed would call himself a demontologist, and this was just kind of self-appointed. I don't know how true this is, but I saw at the time Ed was only, like, one of seven men in the country who were demontologists. And the other men being, like, clergymen. And not really wanting to publicly call themselves demontologists. <laughs> or a demonologist. I think it's demonologist. <laughs> Dematologists is what you said. I'm going to stick with that. <laughs> Ed and Lorraine were both Catholics and took those beliefs with them when they were ghost hunting. So how does a self-appointed demonologist, demontologist, whatever you want to call it, I mean, he, he made it up. Mm. And his clairvoyant wife get into the business. Well, Ed had a plan. Ed and Lorraine would go to a house that they heard was haunted, and Ed would get out his easel and create a painting of the house. He would then tell Lorraine to go to the door and show them the painting and make conversation, getting them invited in, and hopefully from there they would start ghost hunting. Okay. And they did this for a while, traveling where they could, leaving baby Judy with the grandparents. (laughs) Take this baby. We got some ghost hunting to do. (laughs) And it, it really was while traveling around. Soon, though, they became big enough that people were asking them for help. They claimed they didn't charge, but if it required them to travel, the family who was asking for assistance would have to pay for their travel expenses and their lodging. What do you mean they did not charge except for travel? I am putting my life on the line talking to these undead-ass, scary-ass monsters. Yeah. I better be rich. So uh, well, people ain't got money if you living in a funk that haunted house. I mean, goddamn it, I gotta think about that. The way they were making their money was they would go to this house and then they had a story off of it and they would give lectures and give these talks about what a demonologist is, what happened mm-hmm. at this house, and you know, people were paying to go and they ended up actually creating a museum with artifacts that they took from the haunted house. Okay, yeah, I'm a shitty person. They were doing it the right way. <laughs> Let me charge the the poor haunted house people. <laughs> like, they got fucking money. They would just move. And it is also said that Ed and Lorraine would try to eliminate non-supernatural causes first. Hearing tapping could be a mouse or a faulty pipe or something. Now, I don't know if that truly happened, but that's what they claimed. Okay. Ed and Lorraine really are one of the first to use photography in their ghost hunting and some of the techniques we see today in ghost hunting and paranormal research. And that's where their lectures were about, you know, talking about how photography can help, talking about feeling cold spots and whatever. You hear all these different things in ghost hunting stuff. Mm-hmm. Ed and Lorraine's first really big case was in 1974 on a house on Lindley Street. Gerald and Laura Gooden purchased the home in 1960. In 1967, their son sadly ends up passing away. The family would adopt a girl named Marcia, and she's 10, and they claimed once the girl arrived, so did strange occurrences. Marcia, Marcia, Marcia! <laughs> The hauntings got the attention of people in the community, law enforcement, and even the media. Police were called in when the family kept hearing loud bangings at night and were trying to find the source. The police said in an interview they saw the refrigerator move and saw the TV move. 
I guess, like across the room. Yeah. And people are literally in the front yard and they are claiming to see like a decorative swan make a noise or the family cat would able to talk. <laughs> mm, that would freak me out. <laughs> Jamie <be> like, kibble, bitch. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, bitch, watch your fucking mouth. I'm around. I'm on my way now. <laughs> The attention to the house soon went away when a police officer witnessed a 10-year-old marsher trying to tip over a TV and then soon confessed to being behind all of it, and it was deemed a hoax. Only thing For is sure? That, uh, that's, that's what a, I was about to say. That's the official. That's the official. Like, they okay. deemed it a hoax. People went away. They're like, oh, it's just a hoax. Oh, no. But that don't sound all the way right. Yeah, so the noises didn't stop until weeks later, and people are claiming they saw or heard things when the girl wasn't even in the in the home. Yeah, police, didn't you see? You said you saw some shit move. You say you saw the shit move, and Marsha was right there, and he was like, nah, not that little baby, though. She didn't and do that. So we're talking about a fridge. I'm. This is the 70s. The fridges were smaller. You seen them yeah, big ass there's... metal ass fridges <laughs> with the fucking one door? They don't even have a two door. And then the TVs would be huge too. I don't know if a ten year old girl could move that, but it this is talking to a host. They the whole family is actually dead. <laughs> Ed and Lorraine would call it a poltergeist. Mm. And unfortunately, we just don't have time to get into all of Ed and Lorraine's adventures. But they did investigate the Amityville house, which is a pretty popular story. It's been redone like a million times in Hollywood. Yes, a thought. They, they don't want to give that house a rest. No. They ain't even that good looking. They don't. And there's stuff that you can dissect about it that was true or not true. You know, there's always going to be skeptics there. Like, I think one of it said that the house was described to have damage, but when people went inside later, they didn't see damage, and that could just be it was fixed. Mm-hmm. Or... Are you lying? Go in there and take some pictures. Bitch, you scared. <laughs> <laughs> or they said, uh, there's a book out there, like the first book that came out. It wasn't by the Warrens, but it was someone who like included them in the book. Lawrence. They said the there was a footprints in the snow, like weird footprints, like a demon's footprints or something. And it didn't snow that night. So how could that be possible? So it's like maybe some things were exaggerated, maybe it wasn't, but again, it's always with paranormal you can pick or choose whatever side. Mm-hmm. Um, they claim Lorraine encountered Bigfoot. They were kind of involved in the case of the devil made me do it. In the movie, they make it seem like Ed and Lorraine had to prove demonic possession for a murder trial. But the judge shot that down pretty fast. It was pretty much Ed and Lorraine helped the family and the guy who ended up committing a murder was dating the fam like the daughter in that family boyfriend ended up committing a murder. Okay. And Lorraine called the police like after helping the family is like, I don't feel right about the case. And when it happened, she called back and was like, I told you something wasn't right. But it, it they weren't really that involved with it. Um, but I guess we'll talk about the Annabelle case just because I think right now that's their most popular one. Alrighty, it is. Because Annab- it's real. Like it, the, uh, you know how sometimes they make things up. I, I felt like, okay, the Conjuring, the anime, what do you call it? Amityville house, whatever. Uh-huh. But Annabelle is a real doll that they really did this shit over. Annabelle is a real doll who they kept in a museum in behind like a glass in a glass box where it says do not open and there's like a cross up over it. But she's a raggedy ant doll. It's not the scary doll we see in the movie. It's just a regular raggedy ant doll. Okay. And the story goes, a mother gave her 28 year old daughter the doll as a gift. A birthday gift. 28-year-old daughter? Yes. Okay. Shady gift. (laughs) Donna, the daughter, lived with her roommate, Angie, 
and they first noticed the doll would be in a different position, but still laying on Donna's bed when they got home. Like, the legs would be crossed, or the arms would be crossed, but it Face wasn't... down, ass up. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't anything that big. Then they would come home, and the doll was in a different room, or in Donna's room, but the door would be closed, and Donna had left it open. They would come home, and the doll would be standing or kneeling, something they could not recreate since the doll would just fall over. Oh, no. <laughs> then Annabelle started leaving notes that said, Miss me, or help Lou, Lou being Angie's fiance. And the notes were written in red crayon and childlike writing on parchment paper. And Donna and, Donna and Angie didn't have any parchment paper in the apartment, so they didn't know where the paper came from. Donna decided to call a medium when she discovered red blood-like substance on Annabelle's chest and on the back of her hands. What? <laughs> the medium says the spirit of a little girl possessed the doll and she had died in an automobile accident. While retelling the story, Ed has said car accident or she, or that she died in a field. So he kind of switches it up sometimes. Hmm. He also says that Annabelle was either a six-year-old girl or a seven-year-old girl. And sometimes says Donna got the gift as a birthday present. And sometimes says she got it as a Christmas present. So a lot of the facts stay the same, but, you know, a little different enough to call doubt, maybe. Mm-hmm. And so... From here, Lou, the fiancé, started experiencing things. He woke one night, and Annabelle was at the foot of his bed. And she strangled him until he passed out. What? Also, here's my thing. Are we not? Are we, are we scared to hurt our mama's feelings? Why the fuck, after the first weird-ass instance, did you not dropkick this fucking doll out of your place? Why they, do you have to keep finding the doll in weird positions? And then, after you find blood, you're still like, well, that's my doll. Bitch, that shit would already been shipped across <laughs> the seas. The two women were pretty much... Dumbass. It's, it's a little girl. We want to help her. It's just a little girl, like, trapped in this body of a doll. And Lou, Lou was the only one being like, I don't like this doll, and he got strangled for it. Exactly. If, there's a, if, if it is not a real-life little girl... If it's between me and the doll, who's going to die? A doll. What do you mean? And I'm sorry. He was, she was strangling Lou. She, she strangled Lou. He, fell, he passed out or fell back to sleep. When he woke up again the next morning, Annabelle was not there, but he was like, I know this bitch strangled me. Another time... <laughs> I know this fucking raggedy end <laughs> is a crazy ass Another time he heard some noises, went to investigate, no one was there, but he was left with seven scratch marks that were bleeding. And this and got seven fingers total. <laughs> <laughs> and if you think of a raggedy end doll, like they have soft hands. <laughs> I was gonna make a joke about the the hand marks on his neck, but I don't know what to call their hands. Men shapes. Yeah. So they end up going to a priest, and the warrants were contacted and said the doll was actually a demon acting like a child. Okay. Yeah. They took the doll and kept it in their museum in a glass box that's locked up. And while at the museum, a man is said to have challenged Annabelle and, you know, told her, put some scratch marks on me. You, you, you can scratch me. And Ed ended up kicking the man out. But three hours later, the man died on his motorcycle. He lost control of the bike and hit a tree. The man's girlfriend was on the back of the motorcycle but survived, but remained hospitalized for a year. So, yeah. a few questions... Why did you challenge the doll? <laughs> or that one too. But if Annabelle can still kill people, what's the point of having her in a box? I mean, it's a motorcycle. People die on motorcycles every day. That's true. But his how just did happened Ed... after he had a weird ass encounter with a doll in a glass box. 
how did Ed know this happened to the man? Did the girlfriend call up Ed and be like, Annabelle strikes again? That's where I think some sensationalism is involved. Because also, how how would he know? Either way, how would you know? If Annabelle didn't tell him, did the police tell him? Nobody but was the girlfriend there and witnessed the encounter before her her dumb ass boyfriend got kicked out. She was there and witnessed the encounter, but I imagine she's hospitalized. She wouldn't call and be like, "Annabelle did this." I I I don't know. There ain't no real story about it. They could have made this up. I mean, you can have a. I mean, they have so many stories that are verifiable. Why can't you make up a little, a little, little, uh, a little side piece story that's. I don't know, juicy. The main criticism with this Annabelle story is there's no one to confirm it. Yeah. We have the first names of Donna, Angie, and Lou, but no one has come forward and said, this was me. Oh, you're talking about the original Annabelle story. The original and the later one. Yeah. It's all kind of, but I don't know. All we know, Ed and Lorraine went to the store and stuck a doll in a box. And anybody who looks at that doll too closely and sees that Walmart price tag will get kicked the fuck out. <laughs> That's what happened to that man. He didn't challenge. Uh, he didn't challenge Annabelle at all. He was like, "Is that a Kmart Sears? What, is that a clearance tag?" And I said, "Get your ass out of there! Get, 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 get the fuck up!" Some general skepticism or is that everything was fake and the families that collaborate the stories, are in on the con, and get a kickback for their stories. Oh, I like that phrase. Kickback. And, I mean, that way, it's a win-win-win. The Warrens win getting a story to tell and a lecture to give. The family wins getting some money for their cooperation. And we win for getting a ghost story. Cha-ching. As of now, none of the families have said this is what is happening, but it's just a theory that has been out there. Hmm. I can see it. I mean, I honestly don't care which way or the other, but like I said, so much of this stuff is just like truly do you believe it? Does your thought process, does your consciousness lead you to believe that this is all possible? And if you do, you do. If you don't, you don't. So I can also see people taking advantage of that. And I can also see people who actually have honest to God gifts um, trying to help people, but as as we have been lied to a thousand times over on this planet, we are very skeptical and just not believing any of it. So, like I said, I'm not really heartbroken if it was all a sham, uh, but I could see if it wasn't too. I could see that they really were helping, but some things you just can't get proof for. Yeah. As for the museum, which was another thing that solidified them in this paranormal space... It was just filled with almost what looked like everyday objects, but and ones they, they claimed were used in a ritual or had a ghost attached. Yeah, the spatula. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Their collection started in 1950, and it ran until 2019. 19? 2019. Wait, they were still adding, or you said it like it was just like around till then? <sighs> I mean, like, read the last sentence. Maybe I, I didn't hear it clearly. I'm sorry. Well, I don't know if they were adding, because Ed did pass in 2000. That's what I'm saying. Like, was y'all too, y'all must have been too old to be doing that hunting. Yeah. Why are, so, are y'all still adding to the collection? It was around, but I don't know if they were adding. Okay. Maybe, yeah. It was just really highlighted slash around slash active. Yeah. The museum was active until 2019. Okay. In 2018, it became an issue with zoning. The streets were too narrow to have a business in a residential neighborhood. It couldn't accommodate the traffic that it was bringing in. Lorraine would pass in 2019 before finding a new place to relocate. The son-in-law was mostly in charge of it by then anyways, but I haven't seen that they have reopened. That's kind of low key. I mean, I get it. Popularity of the movies leads to higher traffic, but that that they had to have voted on that because they were good and they were the zoning was fine for decades. And then 2018, they're like, "Well, now this the stuff is picking up, and uh, 
these zoning laws ain't gonna hold you together, ones. <laughs> probably so. I mean, the movie did probably rejuvenate that museum. And with the success of the Conjuring movie, someone noticed it was like, hold up. Something in this ain't right here. Okay. Ed had sadly passed by now, but Lorraine was making all that money, having fun. And shit, this person wanted to have fun with that money. So in 2014, a woman named Judith Penny came forward. Judith, a woman in her 70s, in a sworn declaration said that when she was 15, she met a mid-30-year-old Ed. Ed, at the time, was working as a bus driver part-time from his ghost hunting for extra money, and he took a liking to Judith. She claimed they met in the early 1960s, and by 1963, Ed had moved her into the family home. Oh, snap. And for the next 40 years, she was in a sexual relationship with Ed, with Lorraine's knowledge and sort of blessing, or maybe not blessing, but Lorraine allowed it. 40 years, you said? 40 years. She lived in the house with them for 40 years. 40 years. Okay. Judith says at first she slept in a room directly opposite of Ed and Lorraine's, and then they had an apartment built for her above their home where Ed would spend one night with Judith and the next with Lorraine. In 1963, Judith claimed she got in trouble for moving into the home and someone reported her relationship to the police. So this teenage girl is having an affair with a married man. The reasonable thing to do is lock her up. Judith ends up spending the night in a jail cell where the police tried to persuade her to sign a statement against Ed. And Judith is like, she wasn't having it. She's like, that's my man. I'm not doing that. Yeah, I still don't even know how she would have got arrested in this situation. It's it's something stupid that happens. I felt like happened a lot back in the day <laughs> with teenagers. Like, we saw it with Billie Holiday when she was raped. And yeah. She was arrested, yeah. Since she did not sign, she had to report to the delinquent youth office for the next month, and she was able to do that with the help of Ed. He would pick her up from school and take her to the meetings. Oh, of course. In May of 1978, Judith claims she got pregnant by Ed. She claims Lorraine talked Judith into getting an abortion. Judith says Lorraine told her if she... It, Judith says Lorraine told her if it got out about Judith being pregnant by Ed, it would ruin their business. Which, this might throw people for a loop because the Warrens are big Catholics, so they wouldn't want an abortion. But Judith says Lorraine... It's extramarital abortion, though. That's different. Yeah, and Judith says Lorraine's real god is money. Ah, uh, that's hilarious. I'm sorry. And Judith says, quote, they wanted me to tell everyone that someone had come into my apartment and raped me, and I Ooh. wouldn't do that. I was so scared, I didn't know what to do, but I had an abortion. That night, they picked me up from the hospital after having it. They went out and lectured and left me alone. Mm -mm -mm. Judith also claims Ed was physically abusive to Lorraine, one time backhanding, her, backhanding Lorraine so hard she lost consciousness and would slap Lorraine across the face to get her to shut up. Judith also claims she helped falsify some of the ghost hunting stories, even putting on a white sheet for one of the photos. I think I saw one of the photos in it. Maybe it was Judith, maybe it was a moth or a trick of the light. It, it really was nothing. Uh. Of course, Judy, the daughter, and her husband have come forward saying the claims are not true and they never witnessed anything Judith is claiming. Did you witness Judith? <laughs> Bitch, <laughs> was she in your house, though? Well, that's, that's the question that needs to be answered, Judy. Lorraine's attorney says the Warrens took in Judith when she was 18 mm. out of an act of kindness after she had experienced a childhood of neglect. Mm. They say while Judith did live in their home, in an apartment above, it was simply because they were always away traveling and ghost hunting 
and they needed someone to watch over their house while they were gone. And Judith worked for them. It's also claimed she had a longtime boyfriend who she does end up marrying. So, I did that shit. I mean, I wouldn't want my man's mistress living in my same home. You guys to get you your own. At that point, I don't even know if it's a mistress. That's more like sister wives. Well, you know what I'm saying. Either way, it's the. I don't like when. I mean, who knows if they did this stuff or not? But I think it is very convenient when somebody is telling their story and their truth, and um, people want to call them a liar. But it seems like a lot of their details are the same, but we got to admit small details. Yes, she did leave, live in their home at 18 years old. And yes, she stayed with them for years, but that's because she worked for them. She didn't say she worked for these people. She didn't say she had a job. All she said, her job was, you know what we're saying her job was. So well, she, she did work for them. She did work for them. That's a different. What'd she do? She like took calls because when they were away, she took calls on investigations and tips and stuff. When they were away, and then when they was here, she her job was Ed. <laughs> I so, don't know. I, I see might, why Lorraine was carrying on after Ed died. She said, "Fuck that man! I finally get to just be by myself." I might be a little biased on this case. I buy into the. We met in a movie theater, and decades later, we're still together solving hauntings. So, when I first heard these allegations, I was like, nah, Judith, take that story somewhere else. Mm. I also saw reports that Judith was offered a $150,000 settlement for her life story, the same amount as Lorraine was offered before the movie came out mm. for her life story. But Judith turned it down. So I don't know how to feel then. A hundred fifty thousand is nothing to turn your nose up to. But mm -hmm. also, this was after seeing the success of the conjuring. So maybe she thought she could get more. I think that is something to turn your nose up to. Hundred fifty thousand. That's not even a quarter of a million dollars, bitch. Is my life story that I'm dredging up the trauma. Of, of practically being a groom's sister wife, as you said. Yeah, and I mean... And I'm looking at these people. They chose the right actress to play. Because if I look at Vera and Patrick, I'm like, these are two trustworthy people. They didn't do that shit. I'm looking at this real, this real ass Ed and Lorraine, and I'm like, they look like liars. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely made Ed 100% more charismatic. Lorraine, I feel like she's she already has a little sweetness to her. <laughs> this one has a little sweetness to it. <laughs> <sighs> but okay, so I I don't know how it's feeling, but then I heard this clause that Lorraine put into her contract, and I was like, damn, I can't defend it. What's what's the clause? What's the Santa Claus? The clause states that the films or spin-offs could not show the Warrens engaging in crimes, including sex with minors child pornography, prostitution, or sexual assault, and that neither the husband nor wife could be depicted as participating in extramarital relationships. AKA, this marriage, a lot of shit went down, but y'all are only talking about the spooks in the haunts. <laughs> yeah. The, it, I mean, at the worst, um, Ed is a predator and Lorraine is his... Um, enabler creepy cover-upper and at best um they were a husband and wife with a lot of secrets yeah it's just freaky secrets i think it has really kind of tarnished their reputation like they're always their ghost hunting reputations i guess tarnished too because she said she helped falsify photos or she was coming up with stories with them and you and, already have these stories that seem like they don't have a lot of confirmations. Yeah, and then you get this whole, oh, we met at the movie theater, we've been in love so long, that grows eventually that too, because you have this teenager move into your home and make her a sister wife, kind of. Mm-hmm.
And yeah, moving in a bitch named Judith when you got a kid named Judy. <laughs> they, I feel like they have both said that Judy wasn't really around. She was with the grandparents. That's even worse. <laughs> we kept we kept the underage si sister wife um, with us twenty four seven, but our own <laughs> flesh and blood, that bitch had to go to granny. Yeah, that's why Judy don't fuck with the. That's why Judy don't fuck with the ghost shit. She don't really like her parents like that. She wants the money. She said, "Hubby, you gotta run this shit. Hold it down. Be the face." But I don't fuck with Ed and Lorraine like that. So you ain't going to see me. See, I done put this shit together. <laughs> Judy got to protect the rep. But she ain't really fucking with her parents like that. <laughs> I kind of respect it. I, I, I don't know if that's 100% the case. But yeah. I mean, I know Judy didn't do nothing nasty. So, I mean, sometimes, uh, what? I can't, if my movie, if one of my favorite movies is The Family That Prays. And we know what Kathy Bates was doing. Her son was trash, but she had to keep the company in the family. <laughs> and you think that's what Judy's doing? I can see it. I can see it. I can see it. Yeah, there's something not right there. With that clause, like, why put that in there? They, people have said that's not a normal clause to have, like, in contracts. Like, why is that there? And, and I have noticed in the brief moments that I can remember of the Conjuring movies is that they, no matter what's happening in the whatever the investigation house that they're doing, they definitely show the uh, the Warrens being a couple, you know, not really, you know, they have a, a couple of spats, but they, they always come together and they work together as a team. And in most stories, when it's based off a true story, even when they have their permission, you do always see a peek of the backstory being shown, maybe like a child being born or extramarital affair or the um, era of depression, an era of uncertainty. But in The Conjuring, you don't see that. It's no personal backstory. It's only about them and the case. No, there, there's one Conjuring movie where Judith is at home with the babysitter over the weekend and or Judy's at home with the babysitter over the weekend and like something happens to her with the, that's like the whole plot of the movie. It like it, it affects Judy. And it's like, she wasn't even staying there. I'm and, talking about Ed and Lorraine. Of course they're going to show that child. They never care for. She <laughs> needs the movie. And then Ed and Lorraine and the devil made me do it. There's like a whole plot where he's being attacked by these supernatural things. And she's like, remember the gazebo at the movie theater? And it's like, girl, <laughs> Like love solved all their issues and Girl, I, shut I, that shit up. <laughs> yeah, but they don't show no hard times. And uh -huh. bitch, I don't it's, know no relationship. It's all just love. Exactly. But that's their brand. That's their brand. They're in love. They're solving crime. We're not. But y'all do they're some of the teams. darkest shit, and you're telling me all y'all do is smile. Get the fuck out of here. They have love. Love my ass. <laughs> <laughs> it, Learning about this, like, it, it was one of those that are just heartbreaking to me. Mm-mm-mm. Well, still not, Vera Farmiga. Yeah, not all of them, like, really are heartbreaking to me. Like, some I expected it, but this one, I was like, no, not Ed and Lorraine. Like, because even if they were faking all the ghost things, they didn't really harm anyone that way. They're not like Sylvia Brown, like, giving people false hope or taking away hope. Yeah, they just ruined one girl. They just potentially ruined one girl's entire fucking life. Just entire one. fucking <laughs> life. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't um, fraud thousands and millions. They just took one particular girl and made sure her life was forever fucking changed by their actions. Horrible. But that's all we have for Ed and Lorraine. I was going to go into more of their stories, but we just don't have time for it. Like, we're not a paranormal pod. We're just we're just dipping our toes in. We ain't a PP. And like a PP paranormal pod. <laughs> <laughs> paranormal posse. Oh, I like that one. But we do like to end every episode on a positive note with some form of media we want to discuss, recommend, talk about. Okay. That's you first. I've been okay. going first for a wow, a wow, a wow. So you know, want to see what you're gonna bring to the table? 
Okay. Mine is from Trisha. No, what? <laughs> you can't use that. You can't use Trisha. That's separate. But what did Trisha say? Jose and Katrina, I just want to share my media. It's two songs, Seasons of Love from Rent and Venom by Eminem. <laughs> I, I can't stand Trisha, bruh. Okay. <laughs> Is there a reason you can't stand her? I fucking hate Venom. <laughs> it's such a dumbass. <laughs> she knows that. Okay. I have not seen these movies, but somehow these songs came into the queue. Season of Love is just a beautiful song and kind of tells a story without having to watch the film. It's on the list, but Venom is not. Continue to be wonderful. Fan of the pod. <laughs> I was just with Trisha <laughs> less than a week ago making fun of fucking Venom in her face. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard either song. It's stupid. It's... it's 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 not stupid because it's stupid actually. I just don't understand it. It's just Eminem, Venom, 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 Venom. I just don't. I don't think I like Eminem in this era. That's yeah. what it is. So a lot of things that he does or he has done in the last four or five years, I've just been like, nah, I'm okay. I'm I've never been a huge Eminem fan. I'm not really into the white trash aesthetic. Mm-hmm. I can appreciate the music, the emotional ballads, and not the killing everybody ballads. I, I like it. I like, I dislike more of his songs than I like, so. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, there's a few that I'm like, oh, that's a good one, but most of the time, like, no, not for me. I'm not his audience. Yeah. Not Jose. <laughs> Seasons of Love, however, that's the jam. I mean, bitch. I love Rent. I love Seasons of Love. I will have to listen to it. You've never, you've heard it, but I feel like you just can't access. You know, you know what season of love is, right? Though, or do I have to embarrass myself and give you a, a sample? Let's hear it. Five hundred twenty-five thousand six hundred minutes. Oh, I didn't know that's what it's called. Seasons of life. I love, you know, bitch, don't even get me started, bitch. I will embarrass myself. But yeah, it's great. Um, So what is your actual media, sir? Oh, first of all, thank you, Trisha, for half of your media. Great. <laughs> Just half of it. <laughs> of course, no, we appreciate any and all media that anybody sends to us, especially Trisha, just because, you know, I especially know and love her. But what is yours? Well, I don't know if I talked about this before, but mine is misery. misery. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I knew I'm you were going to do the damn joke. Because <laughs> I, I definitely think I talked about it twice now. Um, <laughs> I guess mine would be... You know what? Mine is going to be Frenemies. Frenemies. The pod? The old pod? The old pod. Okay. Frenemies was amazing. It had Trisha Paytas and Ethan Klein. Mm-hmm. And it pretty much started because Trisha Paytas started dating Ethan, Ethan's brother-in-law. Yeah. And they hated each other. They would argue on there. They were best friends on there. And towards the middle, they got like this real nice groove going. And it's like real great friends. We still saw some of the toxic things going on. And it was just hilarious, them calling each other fat, them just (laughs) yelling at each other. And that's one show that I, or one podcast, whatever you want to call it, that I rewatch a lot. And I, I always love the clips of it. And Trisha Paytas is someone who I know is problematic, but I refuse to dig into her past too much because I just don't want to know. I just don't no. want to know. I don't want to know. <laughs> Keep it on the low. Like, I don't want to know. You are silly. I have one of her books, because I was going to do it, and I'm like, no, because, honestly, <laughs> a lot of her ASMR I listen to when I fall asleep. You know what? I, Jose, I don't... 
Don't let this be the end for us. Not you going to sleep to Trisha Paytas. Her ASMR is really good. Fuck out of here. I honestly... <laughs> she just started ASMR podcast, too, and I listened to that, too. Oh, she has a whole podcast now? Well, she has, like, 700 channels. She has the regular channel where she does kind of updates. And then she has her ASMR channel... Then she has an ASMR podcast. Then she has her family channel. Get and out I, of here. I watch all of them. <laughs> but okay. Jose, so I, I want st- you to want better for yourself. No. <laughs> you don't have to do that. You don't have to watch them all. You I, never did. <laughs> I, was never, I was never into ASMR before. And I always have to listen to something when I'm falling asleep. Like I can't have it go quiet. So you just like the TV or music, but ASMR has just been it lately. And uh, the HB podcast just got suspended for a week. I'm like, what am I going to watch? So I've been, I started frenemies over again. And I just love, okay, I don't love it, but how on the HB podcast now, they, they do everything in their power to avoid mentioning Trisha because, you know, she's still married to Hila's brother, Hila's brother. So it's like, yeah. Ethan sometimes goes way too far talking about it, and then it's just going to start a war or something. Mm-mm-mm. I mean, it's his damn fault. That's what happens. <sighs> it was when such... you go too far for a meme and a laugh. The ratings were good. Yep, but now she's in your bloodline. <laughs> uh-huh. And it's so funny because she was joking about that. She she was joking at first about how she wanted Ethan. That's what was so funny. I don't think that was a joke. Either way, if it was funny because it was Ethan, and then it was your wife's brother. She said, "I'm gonna get into that family one way or where there's a will, there is a Trisha." And it's so funny because I remember I found Trisha on TikTok, and I've never heard about her before. Mm -hmm. And I sent you uh, her TikTok, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is so funny." And then you said, that's fucking Trisha Paytas. And I'm like, I don't know who that is. <laughs> that's when Frederick's had just started. And I, just... I was like, no, you're not saying you love this person so much. I'm like, do you not do your homework? <sighs> and it's so, it's so humiliating. But it's, <laughs> it's the one person I can't get rid of. Oh, so sad. It was so funny because it sounded like you were putting some emotion in your voice. I there was. I'm trying so fucking hard. You you guys don't know how hard it really is because I try to not support people who are bad, but then I think to myself, Trisha has grown, and I don't want to know any of the past. Okay, Mario Wine is you don't want to know. I don't want to know if you play me. Keep it on the low. <laughs> okay, frenemies. All right, I guess I'll go. I have two pieces of media because they're really short. I don't. I have small stories attached to them. Um, I have two little songs. One is from a. I guess they would call. They call themselves the alternate band, and the other one is more of a indie band, indie alternative rock band. Either way, the first one is Shiny Toy Guns. You are the one. Um, I do not know any other Shiny Toy Gun songs. I don't even know if I want to know. But all I know is that with the late uh, music channel, IMC, Indies Music Channel, back in the day, um, this gym popped up and it caught me by my throat. It hasn't let me go since. And it came out in like 05. So I've loved this song forever without checking out any other song by them. But it's my shit. It'll always be on whatever playlist I make, no matter what app I choose. So that's the first one. Um, the second one is uh, the, what's, what are they called? They're called Death Cab for Cutie. I will possess your heart. Once again, I, have, I don't know any other Death Cab for Cutie song. Don't know if I ever want to. But I was at my grandparents' house. And I've told the story before about how, uh, you know, me and my family, we didn't have cable consistently as we were growing up, sometimes we had it. Most of the time we didn't. Uh, but if I wanted to see something with cable, you know, go to my grandparents. They had all the fucking channels. They had the premiums. They had all the fucking video music channels. 
And one day I was uh, sitting up there watching uh, one of them and I will possess your heart came on. I don't know what it was about this like slow, long ass intro song, but you know, I've been listening to that since 08 and it'll make it on every playlist I create every time I move an app. And um, they're just very, well, uh, I will possess your heart is very low key. I mean, it's basically what the name says. Um, you are the one is very much more, uh, you could tell with that electric sound, very uh, kind of, I don't want to say screechy, but high key. Yeah. Yeah. And um, them screaming that you are the one. And I still love that shit to death. So those are my two songs. That's it. That's all. Love it. Never heard of those. Yeah, I don't know if I know a lot of people who ever have. You know, the people who I hang out with weren't really alternative music people. Huh. Y'all, y'all were all pop people, and then when I come home, I'm with the R&B rap people. So, I like everything though. What's the what? Name me a high school era band from the alternative group you were listening to. That's not Lincoln Park. I like everything though. I, I'm not gonna <laughs> prove myself because I don't, I don't have to, to. No, I don't, I don't want have you to, prove. to. I don't have to. Oh, sounds like somebody's getting a little defense. <laughs> <laughs> somebody got a little defense. I, I was sitting in front of me and I was like, oh my god, imagine if we started fighting. That'd be so good for the podcast. It will be the beginning and the end, honestly. We can't fight on this podcast. It'll be so good. One I, of us always goes too far. <laughs> I want that one celebrity where we just get so heated about, like said, an, an issue. Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> I, <laughs> I still remember how you treated me during that episode. <laughs> okay. There's a few people we have covered that I'm not, I'm not, you know, I don't care what they've done. Ellen's one of them. Tyra's the other one. Yeah, and now we know what Ellen did was bullshit again with that whole fucking recording label. Like, I knew that bitch did not deserve to have a record label. Like, what the fuck was she going to do? Just like when she was a judge on American Idol. I was like, what the fuck is this about? Just paid my money. Exactly. It was all a money grab. Bitch, don't be nice to nobody. Be nice to her wallet. Everything is a money grab. Be kind to her pockets. You're not going to talk about Ellen that way. (laughs) And then you were Roseanne. Who else? I knew you were. I was listening to all that Roseanne episode. Someone should have stopped her. Someone should have taken her phone away. Girl, Roseanne is a grown ass woman. Roseanne should have stopped herself. You made every excuse in the book. When did I say something? What What did she do with the phone? She was tweeting. Oh, okay. The only reason why I say that is because her kid, someone should take her phone away. I was like, uh, the only reason I said that is because the kids made such a big stink about it. Like, bitch, if y'all were around her and y'all knew she was dangerous, why the fuck she still had her phone? (laughs) Kill stupid too. There you go, being a Roseanne apologist. You're right. You're right. I can say that, but um, I still don't fuck with Roseanne over that tweet. That was dumb as fuck. But that is our episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you want to reach out to us, our email is saveyoursorry at gmail.com. Gmail. And you can send us your media. Send us your recommendations. Mm. If you want to get our Instagram, that's saveyoursorry. spelled just like the podcast. If you want to Keep up to date on our recent episodes. And if you want to send hate mail, it goes there. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to reach us on Twitter, save your sorry, but the your is spelled you are. you are. And you can send your praises there, send your highs, how you doing there. Yeah, send some dick pics there too. <laughs> Go ahead. No. <laughs> <laughs> If I get hate mail, you can get some dick pics. <laughs> and if you want to give us five stars, leave us five stars anywhere you can. Leave us a review. Yes. Only if it's good, though. Mm. Only if it's good. I appreciate everything. Like Jose I... said, I like everything. <laughs> <laughs> What do you really want me to name a 
alternative music for you right now? No, first of all, we are all Because I will, I, I will. First of all, <laughs> are you so defensive? You're jumping back. I, you? just, I just said the quote. You were jumping back to the subject. <laughs> we are closed. Thank you so much show, for listening, sir. guys. It's been sir. wonderful. Bye. <laughs> Bye. I can't believe you. <laughs> Do you want me to open my library up right fucking now? I'll give you this Spotify app login. <laughs> I'm going to prove shit to you. Oh my gosh. I did not ask you to do that. And you did. That was some sneaky shit. Oh my gosh. That shit was funny. <laughs> but it's, it stayed all in. <laughs>